Him. Shim. Standing by. Complete. Greetings, heroes of the internet. I'm Travis. And I'm Nathan. And we are the Henshin Men, a podcast that celebrates Japanese superheroes and their high-flying and high-kicking adventures. In this installment, we will be discussing Kamen Rider episodes 38 and 39. The Lightning Monster Eye King's Operation Worldwide Blackout! Inazuma Kaijin Eye Kingu no Sakai Ankuku Sakusen! The electrifying Ray King is created by Shocker to destroy power plants! Meanwhile, Hayato must learn a hard lesson from Tachibana about thinking of more than his own safety to stop this evil plot. Hey, Travis, good to have you back. Yeah, and what a time to be back. You know, this episode has me thinking. Shocker's new cyborg, he's a, a bit shocking, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's more where that came from, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I actually wrote in my notes and I thought about making this the title of the episode. I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Because that was the first thing that went through my mind. When he first appears, he's a, he's going after a woman walking in, a, not in an alley, but walking on a street in the middle of the night. And he jumps out and he's silhouetted. I think it was, it was silhouetted against the moonlight. I want to say, and with his, uh, with his arm, uh, with his wings, mm-hmm. pins, whatever you want to call them outstretched. Like he's Batman or Batmanta. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he he is a he's a he's he, he's a monster um i i i don't i don't know whether he's i haven't made up my mind whether he's good or not as far as like in his design he's weird admittedly he's weird yeah yeah and surprisingly this is the closest the this is the closest they've ever been in translating the names uh, that because we always talk about in the when when dealing with these episodes that they always mistranslate or have these weird translations of names. We're going to talk about that more in future episodes, but but actually the way you pronounce Ray King in Japanese because there's no R sound in in Japanese is aching. So aching, how it's written. E I and and then raking. It makes sense. It's actually the closest we've ever gotten. And it's an unintentional pun in English. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I kept wanting it's to It's hilarious when that happens. I kept wanting to call him L King, but then I remembered, oh wait, that's a <laughs> that's an Ultraman monster. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> that's how you know you're a Toku nerd if you're getting all of your monsters of the week from different franchises mixed up yep (laughs) yeah exactly 
<laughs> I, I have now admittedly it's been a hot minute since we had to skip a week it's been a hot minute since i watched these episodes but i wrote in my notes we get smiting instead of dissolving this week yes oh man the this, oh that's the because mad, of the lightning that's what it is the, the mad fury of zeus himself is called down by this by this kaijin <laughs> on these two unsuspecting guys who are just trying to help a woman in need and he does it by yelling crash lightning <laughs> <laughs> I remember we've upgraded now. We're not melting and dissolving things. We're smiting them. <laughs> smite me, almighty oh smiter. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was really crazy. Throwing his thunderbolt around there. <laughs> now the question is. Now the question is. Can he? Uh, uh, does he know if John is in the car, or can he pick up Mjolnir? <laughs> We need to know. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, okay, okay. I know Mjolnir. What's the Johnny's in the car? Oh, Johnny's in the car. It's uh, it's Raiden from Mortal Kombat. Oh. people say that the gibberish that they make in there, and some people have tried to figure out what they're actually saying. So there's a, kind of these jokes about what they're actually saying, and one of them is when Raiden is flying forward, like Superman. Right, they right, think right. he's saying Johnny's in the car. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fighting game jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Very niche joke. Fighting game community. Okay. Joke. Well, later on when uh when <laughs> later on when Ray King is fighting uh Common Rider, he'll he'll have the like uh Lambert accent and be like, I don't think so. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, Christopher Lambert as Raiden is gold. I don't care is, what anyone says. It is the best <laughs> thing. It is the best thing ever. It is the best thing from that movie. <laughs> Arguably. <laughs> Arguably. But uh, then we get to, uh, as soon as I watched it, I'm like, oh, no, Travis is going to have too much fun Yay! with this. And you were texting me about it. My favorite scene in the whole episode. Oh, no. Oh, no. I immediately had to oh, It's like you. the show is just feeding you. <laughs> yeah, the, it's like the show is just, just knows now. And it's like, let's feed Travis. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Okay, so so uh, to to for listeners who are not watching along with us and who, uh, who are just listening to our podcast, wow, you're nuts, but okay. Um, <laughs> uh there was there it cuts to after all of that with raking to a scene of Taki and Hayato out in the woods camping and Hayato is tending to the fire and Taki comes out of the tent and he yawns and everything and I'm like oh my god oh my god broke back Taki yes ah <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to meme that aren't I <laughs> It's two guys yeah, out in the woods camping, and it's one tiny little tent. That is the only tent they had, and it is very tiny. <laughs> We're moving on. So, hey, be careful. I might change the episode name to Brokeback Taki. Oh, God, help me. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, so I wrote again, I'm having a little trouble remembering the context, but I wrote down on here, I have a note that says, 
No shocker drains blood from their dogs. As I so I guess there was a comment about dogs. I don't remember <laughs> that. I drink. <laughs> I'm trying to like it's been a hot minute since I watched. Yeah, it. I don't remember any reference to dogs. Um, not in this episode. Maybe in the next episode. Yeah, which by the way, I should have said this earlier, but I do want to say thank you once again to the Omni viewer for coming on to talk about Shinesman. That was fun. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for him filling in for me while I stepped away. I had a lot of personal stuff uh, going on in my life, so it was really nice that he was willing to step up and uh, and fill in. And you guys did a great job on that episode. I, I listened to it, and it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it, and I have to go and watch Shines Man now. Oh, it's it's great. There's a link to it where you can watch it on YouTube. Anyway, uh, so uh, here's this one. I like this plot of the week. Operation Worldwide Blackout. It's such a it's such a funny, funny title. It is, but I actually really like this because honestly, attacking the electrical grid is a very real threat. And if you take out the electrical grid, oh good lord, I don't even want to think about the consequences. So actually, this is a little terrifying. I agree with you that it is a it is a good plot. But I have questions, which I guess we can go ahead and jump to because we're we're kind of we're going to bounce around on this episode. At the end, when they go to actually attack the power plant and the electrical grid, they basically Ray King sits there and supervises while the shocker goons go and plant bombs all along the places so why did they have to invent ray king who can absorb electricity and shoot electricity he doesn't actually do anything they just plant bombs like they could have done that without him yeah what? <laughs> it's like like the goons are doing all the jobs they could have done that yeah congratulations your kaijin is middle management yeah yeah and and they make such a big deal out of they want to use Ray King and then they want to get the scientist who built Ray King for them, who escaped from Shocker's grasp, to come back so that they can build even more Ray Kings to attack other power plants. But Ray King just stands there and supervises. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't use his electrical powers at all on the actual power plant. <laughs> it is just, I'm like, you didn't need this guy. It's, it's the same problem we had the last episode that we did about common writer with, uh, with the, the Egyptian Egyptus where, why do you why do you need this guy he doesn't do anything he just like there's no purpose to this guy like well they can't all be good plans <laughs> uh, but i mean that's like i said i do think that, I, I agree with you that the plan is good i just think that the that I, I just I just like that the, they, they built this they built this monster specifically for this job and then he doesn't actually do anything. He doesn't do the job. <laughs> Ray King, you have one job middle management. <laughs> now I will say that I really appreciated that Colonel Zoll, even though like Colonel Zoll has been defeated week after week by Common Rider he is still a smart bad guy and he sees on a monitor motorcycle tracks and immediately like it clicks like, Oh, that means common rider is nearby. 
like wow like that's 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 pretty smart for these you know characters <laughs> yeah yeah that's for sure so i'm just kind of glancing over here at my notes and the so i have one scene it's like close up of mari when he i'm guess i think that's who was that who was waking up was it taki or was it hayato it was taki who was unconscious and waking up it was taki close up of mari when he wakes up i'm not complaining oh oh no 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 no, no. <laughs> oh <laughs> no that's um that was the scientist they they, they find because uh taki and oh that's right and hayato find the scientist that escaped and he passes out and so they bring him back to the the yeah. Tachibana. I'm still trying to decipher your notes here. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it's been too long. I originally wrote these thinking it wouldn't be very long afterward. Instead, we waited a week. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's happens, my bad. Uh, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> and then I have that scene where raking menaces Seki. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> i think that's the sun right uh is this the one where is this one where oh, who's this is the one where his so the raking ends up going after the daughter um of the scientist that's right yeah to, the daughter and yeah yeah to and, to yeah. um to convince the scientists to come back uh to to uh work for them and build more rakings yeah 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 i try i'm thinking back on, i'm trying to think back on that it's been a hot minute yeah uh, apparently i was impressed so yeah we have our first confrontation because because the way that a lot of the the formula of these episodes have been going is the common writer will fight the kaijin of the week and the shocker goons once and either they'll escape or something will, you know, something will, will happen to where he doesn't completely win. And then they come back and, you know, fight. It's the, it's the camera formula um, of, of fight, lose, come back, win. And, uh, and so we have our first confrontation. Well, yeah. And, and mm -hmm. I was going to say that really comes into play in this because, oh my gosh, Tachibana just, Tachibana is mean again. Yeah, yeah. So, so our first confrontation between Common Rider and Ray King, Ray King beats him because you know he calls down the power of of Thor uh, and uh, and shoots the lightning at him, and the lightning is too much. The 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 electricity is too much for Hayato to handle and he loses the fight and yeah. so uh ray king gets away with with the scientist's daughter because they were they were trying to save her and and ray king ended up winning that fight so when uh when hayato gets back and he failed to rescue the girl tachibana lays into him yeah lays into him hard I mean, cut him some slack, Tachibana. Ray King's powers are so good that he can basically, he creates a whole other set. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which was actually really cool, I have to admit. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and KR2 does get a good zinger during that fight, too. He says, Ray King, if you know what's good for you, you'll put that girl down and get out of my sight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah now that was in contention for the awards this week 
Yeah. Now, when when talking about Tachibana, now we, we, we've seen Tachibana be tough on Kamen Rider before, specifically on Hayato before. So so we know that Tachibana is the type of mentor that is very tough love. Um, I think that this kind of pushed it a little too far for me because it did seem almost, you know, like you said, it does seem kind of mean spirited almost. But at the same time, we like we we have established that Tachibana is the kind of mentor that it's like, no, no, this isn't good enough. You know, like like getting close isn't good enough when people's lives are on the line. You push yourself. Oh, you ran away because you were or, or you lost because uh, you almost died. Well, too bad. If you want to keep fighting the bad guy, you're going to constantly be on the uh, on the edge of dying constantly so so you need to get over that and keep pushing and it's like so yeah it seems mean but actually i like that because it's like yeah i mean if you if you've accepted this responsibility to be this good guy and saving people's lives and risking your life then yeah push through your life's always going to be in danger keep going keep doing so yeah i I don't know i just i while it did seem a bit harsh tachibana is this type of mentor we've seen that already and i actually appreciated this moment of him you know really teaching hayato a lesson Mm -hmm. i'm not disagreeing with that i'm just saying for a lot for a lot of people if they're not used to seeing something like that it might come as a little bit of a shock to them that someone would be that harsh on someone that they're mentoring yeah this isn't zordon he's not gonna coddle you (laughs) yeah (laughs) but i also thought it was actually a little bit funny because he brings up he's like everyone including yuri and mari they're gonna keep fighting and i wrote in my notes well mari will only be doing that for about one more episode so (laughs) yeah oh oh okay yeah we'll have to get to that when we get to it but yeah uh anyway (laughs) but uh uh, I, and then there was also a scene where uh, someone was being tortured with, they said it was a microwave light. And I actually wrote, I was like, okay, if it's a microwave light, I'm pretty sure it's going to burn their face off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the daughter, I actually liked that scene because it does, it does show the ruthlessness that Colonel Zoll has because he is just like actively yeah. torturing. Oh, I, I, no, I wrote, it would melt everything. I wrote, it would melt everything. If it can burn someone's face, it's going to melt everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I did like that, that, that she is like, you can, and, and like she has sweat pouring down her face as the light is shining on her. So it's visibly hurting her and she's just like being tortured by, by Colonel Zoll to convince her to call her father and tell him to come back to shocker and which when she makes the phone call, she tells her dad, no, run away. Don't come back. Which, you know, never works when a character does that because you know the, the, the you know they're gonna come after you to to save you. Of course, yeah. My it's it, my you might want to try with some reverse psychology at that point. <laughs> Although I'm gonna say that I, I should have brought this up. I should have brought this up earlier. We were talking about the stuff at the end with Ray King. I I wrote that there was a shot in the episode where I thought Ray King was a fat guy wearing a suit and tie. <laughs> <laughs> which i guess goes along with my middle management joke <laughs> yeah 
I don't know what scene that was, but okay. <laughs> it was at the dam. Oh, it was a scene okay. at the dam. Okay. He's, when he's walking around telling all the goons what to do. <laughs> that's, that's just yeah. weird. And what the heck? And what the heck, shocker? More crucifixions? I can't get over this. More crucifixions? Yeah. Yeah, tied to a <laughs> tied to a big white cross. I mean, they got them left over from all the other times that they've used them. So you know, <laughs> yeah, they're probably sort of like, yeah, we still got a few of these left in the yeah, left in the warehouse. Yeah, might as well use them. <laughs> <laughs> Taki made a funny noise when he flipped. He must be superhuman. I just I can't get over that. Yeah. <laughs> uh Taki. Uh Taki Taki. Uh I love Taki. Um one note that I would say I have on uh the final fight between Common Rider and Ray King is uh after, you know, I, I like I totally understand uh you know Common Rider has to save the day and it's great. He comes and he rescues them. Uh the the scientist and his daughter, he comes and defeats Ray King and learns to just push through the pain of being electrocuted with a thousand volts of electricity to defeat Ray King. I wish he would have learned a new move or some kind of new thing to to combat that like like it, it feels like this really felt a lot like a spider-man story like spider-man versus electro and how spider-man has to kind of invent something new to add to his suit like you know the the rubber the rubber suit that he wears when he's fighting the electro or something like that that's non-conductive so i wish that hayato would have done something like oh oh now i know you know i if i throw this metal rod down the electricity will be drawn to that not to me you know kind of like that but they didn't he just kind of just beats the bad guy the same way he beats any other bad guy and i don't know it just felt like with such a big momentous moment uh momentous moment okay momentous event like being defeated and having tachibana give that speech that it would have motivated hayato to kind of be more creative be different be inventive when he goes to fight uh Ray king again instead of just brute forcing it the same way he does all the other villains yeah, it is a little bit weird because the lesson he learns is intangible. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just don't only think of yourself. Right. Watch out for other people. Okay. Yeah. Just try harder. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I also wrote, uh, I also wrote on here. Ray King's the first Kaiju in a while. It doesn't have one of those belts, the wrestling belts. That's true. And it's probably because it wouldn't fit around him with all, with his uh, big wing things that he uses. <laughs> Batman. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I wrote when he dies, he makes some version of the Wilhelm scream. <laughs> yeah. Some, some like weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> i should have put that on the uh, on the soundboard this way oh oh, oh! <laughs> if you you should know what we're talking about it's everywhere <laughs> oh, boy. oh boy that episode was all right but oh baby <laughs> now we're getting to the good stuff <laughs> yes so transition 
Wolfman Monster's huge murder party, Kaijin Okami Otoko no Sachjin Daipati. The terrifying wolf virus escapes a shocker lab on Christmas and transforms several victims into wolfmen. A little girl witnesses Colonel Zol capturing one victim, and now Kamen Rider must protect her from the evil organization, leading to a final showdown with Zol. You know what screams Christmas to me? Santa Claus? Elves? A wolf man. Oh my gosh, this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I love the fact that my ex that my expectation I love the juxtaposition and the subversion of expectations. I just want to say that this episode also inspired me to do something I've never done before in all my years of podcasting. I am actually eating dinner while podcasting right now, and what am I having? I am having KFC. Dang it, because that's what the Japanese do on Christmas. I don't quite know why, but. That is what they, that is a Christmas tradition now in Japan. Yeah, it kind of grew over time. I did some research on it and it did kind of grow over time. So in Japan, Christmas is not, it, it's, it's a, still a big deal, but it's not the way that it is in like the US or even in Europe where uh, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of tradition. There's a lot of like, um, history behind the holiday when it comes to people who celebrate it here, you know, in, in America or in Europe. In Japan, they don't have that kind of like history and tradition behind it. So a lot of it is very modern and very commercialized. And it's actually even a little bit of a romantic holiday. It's actually less of a family spend get together and spend time together and more of a this is the time that couples will go out and have a nice romantic dinner or they'll you know go and get something to eat or, or give gifts to each other as like you know loving things so it's more of kind of like more of a romantic holiday there but uh yeah it started you know sometime in uh, in like the 70s or i think or 60s or 70s where suddenly more and more Japanese people were eating KFC on Christmas Day, and it just became such a big deal that now that is the biggest day, sales day, for any KFC in the country. In fact, they do more sales on that day than they will do sometimes in the entire year. So it's like Black Friday. <laughs> Yeah, it really is. It's like Black Friday for KFCs in Japan. And uh, KFCs ha in Japan have started selling uh, big dinner packs f on Christmas Day or, or around Christmas time where you can get uh, your chicken, you can get your sides, usually mashed potatoes or whatever sides that you that they serve. And then you also get a bottle of wine with it, too. So you can actually have a, a fried chicken dinner and wine. <laughs> for christmas dinner and it is just the weirdest thing and and i'm not a i don't celebrate christmas um that is just you know that's something i i don't do um but this whole concept of eating kfc uh, on christmas and 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 like i said it is it, it, it the holiday is such a more commercial thing it's a commercialized thing in Japan. So, you know, having fast food on a holiday is just very fascinating to mm -hmm. me. And it's also noteworthy because this also, I found out looking around on 
the writer wiki, this episode actually aired on December 25th, 1971. So it's an actual, it actually aired on Christmas. And this started a common writer tradition because there were other common writer series after that that did Christmas episodes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, almost like a like a Doctor Who type thing where they will do a special Christmas episode uh, specifically for the series. And, and, you know, we've talked about back when we first started this show um, doing the podcast that the way that the Japanese television programs are broken up into seasons is not the same as they are here in the States. Uh, so, you know, for these, especially kids shows like like what common writer was they went all year long like they did not they didn't take a break they didn't you know take a week off they were just all year long and so when it came to christmas time they needed a christmas episode to fill in the space basically and so that's what they did but i would not actually call this a christmas episode because other than taking place on christmas there's nothing Christmassy about this episode of the show. It is, you know, dealing with a wolfman virus that's spreading and uh, can be spread and common writer finding out and then uh, Colonel Zoll going after this little girl who witnessed uh, some of Shocker's plans and then having that final confrontation with Colonel Zoll outside of it taking place on Christmas. Is there anything really Christmassy about uh, that? Not particularly. It's more just the time and setting for it. It's not like uh, there was an episode of Ultraman Ace that had to do with Christmas, but it was much more closely tied to Christmas. In fact, you find out in that episode that Father of Ultra is apparently Santa Claus. Yeah. Well, we find out in this episode that Common Rider is better than Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is part of that because the the we'll get to that at the end of the episode. But there's a a classroom of kids who are like, where the teacher is like, "Do you want to see Santa Claus for Christmas?" Like, "No, we want to see Kamen Rider." And uh, Hayato is there, and he's probably sitting there. Things like, "Well, I guess I'm going to have to show up, aren't I?" <laughs> to the adoring yep. fans. Yeah, but yeah, I just love the. <laughs> but but now let's let's okay, go ahead. Sorry. I was just, I just, like I said, I just love the juxtaposition because normally I would expect a werewolf to be a uh, to be a Halloween thing, not a Christmas thing. It, and I've seen some other examples of werewolves that have to do with Christmas. Usually, like the, there was a Christmas special for the show Creep Show that had a werewolf in it. It wasn't the only thing in it, but it had a werewolf in it. And so it's just not something I'm used to seeing. I'm also just very happy that we've gone back to the something plus man naming convention and it's an easy one and it's not so just random and strange. It's a wolf man. I can work with a wolf man. <laughs> it's very classic. Mm, yep. <laughs> wolf man is very easy to remember, but <laughs> yeah, this wolf man kind of almost behaves a little bit more like a vampire in that I it know, has fangs and yeah, he drinks blood. And if he bites someone, he transfers a virus that transforms them into a wolf man. And that just, I don't know, that screams more vampire to me. Actually, the getting bit by a vampire thing, oh, no, excuse me, getting bit by a werewolf and becoming a werewolf, that's a classic thing, too. The, you know, I, 
that's the i think actually it's been a while since i've seen it but i think even the universal wolfman i think that's what happened he got bit and then he became one. Oh yeah yeah and of and of course you know the we even named the episode this episode of the podcast after it but an american werewolf in london uh yeah or is it Amer- which one's the first one one of them's the first one one of them's the sequel i've never seen either it's one. american werewolf in london and then paris is the sequel yeah okay i always i always forget yeah. which one's the first one which one's the second one but but yeah that 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 i know i haven't seen it but i know the plot behind that is that you know uh the a character gets bit by a werewolf and becomes a werewolf so yeah so so going back to the beginning of this episode uh we have two drunk businessmen who decide to stop and urinate apparently in front of a little girl. (laughs) Why is the little girl wandering around in the middle of the night following two drunk men? That's never explained. It really is just a weird, weird scenario. And uh, yeah, it's, it's one of the characters gets attacked and bitten by the Wolfman, he becomes a Wolfman, attacks the other guy as Shocker comes in and is like, oh, this was just an experiment to see if the Wolfman virus worked and it worked perfectly. So now we have to go and, and hide the evidence so that no one will find out about our plan. Yeah, which involves Colonel Zolt. This image was just so funny to me. It involves Colonel Zol taking a little girl's doll. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just like evil one-eyed pseudo Nazi with a little girl's doll. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and it's and it's funny because for the rest of the episode, she says that the Wolfman took my dolly, but the Wolfman didn't. It was the other guy. You were there. You saw it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so weird because you have this boy scene in the episode where he's playing around with the doll i forget what he was even trying to do trying to figure out where the little girl was from but it's like why did you take the doll <laughs> <laughs> so i have this i have this weird uh fan cannon now head cannon i should say that appear that Colonel Zoll secretly likes uh, likes dolls, like playing with little girls' dolls, not in a, like some perverted sort of way. I mean, just like he just he likes them, he collects them, or something. Like that. He doesn't want anyone to know. <laughs> my favorite, I, we have to, I have to mention my favorite. Besides just Colonel Zoll picking up the dolly and and taking it with him, my favorite interaction between Zoll and another character in this first little part of this episode is when one of the shocker goons is explaining the plot, like the plan to Zoll and Zoll just smacks him upside the head and says, shut up. (laughs) Like why? (laughs) He was just explaining what the plan was. He wasn't doing, he wasn't like saying, I think this is a bad idea. He was just saying what the plan was. And and Zol just smacks him and says, shut up. We have to take this creature away. (laughs) (laughs) There's some, a lot of the usual common writer 71 quirk quirkiness is on full display in this. Oh yeah. I also, I love the, 
the, I love the explanation that they give for the little girl not feeling well after everything that she witnessed. I mean, that's horrific enough. She's going to be going to therapy for about 20 years. Uh, and they said, oh, her, uh, she was so scared she got a fever. Yeah. Her fear gave her fever. The fear fever. Fear <laughs> fever. That sounds like a, a show that would be on like a reality TV. Either that or a very weird movie. <laughs> fear <laughs> fever. Yeah, or a Batman story with the scarecrow. <laughs> Ooh, now that 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 sounds interesting. Actually, now that I think about it, that would be awesome. You can have that one for free, DC. <laughs> but yeah, this this episode we have another kid focused episode. Uh, we've had a few recently, uh, and and it just they they get weirder and weirder the more we have them. I'm not I'm not all that bothered by this one though. I actually like the concept of a little girl basically witnessing a murder and now Common Rider has to keep her safe. Which which was the plot to like two episodes before this. <laughs> True. But it works. I will say that. You know a thing that I noticed about this? The goons are getting upgrades. If the goons are all cy are all cyborgs too, they're getting some upgrades because now they have the power of dramatic disco lighting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I I also love the the one thing I will say, and it's and it's carried over through all of the episodes that are kid focused, is Hayato fully believes the kids every single time Taki is always like no yeah, they're just imagining it and everything which I don't understand after like the fourth or fifth time Taki why why do you not believe these kids um but beside the point I like that Hayato doesn't question it he's like she saw something we need to investigate it. And I, I like that. I like that that aspect of Hayato's personality, that he is so willing yeah. to believe kids. Like kids kids make up things, but they also see things and understand things that, that adults don't expect them to. So we need to listen to them. That is for sure. And the teacher learned that the hard way because as soon as the wolfman showed up, she just passed out. <laughs> <laughs> no, so so the wolfman the kids can handle the wolf bad, but <laughs> The, the the wolfman shows up and they they hold the teacher and they're like they're like where is the girl where is the girl and she tells the kid or tells them where the girl is which bed she's in and at first and i don't know why i was like i was like do not tell me this this uh teacher just sold out this little girl like, come on, <laughs> that is, that is not cool. But come to find out, no, she didn't sell out the little girl because as the wolfman is carrying what he thinks is the little girl wrapped up in a blanket, he runs into Taki and Hayato who then tell him, ha ha, you think you've got the little girl. Well, pull back the blanket and see. And he pulls back the blanket. And of course, Goro is there. And Goro being just the little scamp he is. I just I just love him so much. <laughs> He's so great. You're, this begs the question, though. This begs the question, though. She didn't sell out the little girl. But she and all the other adults in the show 
endangered a child. Yeah, yeah. They willing <laughs> they willingly put Goro in danger. Like, oh, he can handle it, but we're gonna keep the little girl safe. Like, he's still a kid. <laughs> And then comes one of the more surreal things in the entire episode because Wolfman packing heat. Wolfman <laughs> has rocket launchers in his fingers. <laughs> Welcome to Tokusatsu, everyone. <laughs> you know, like a wolf has. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and we get some cool common Rider POV shots during this fight, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's actually really, it's a really good fight scene. It's a really, and it's at night, which I, I, that's one thing that I miss about the, the Hongo era. Those first 13 episodes is a lot of the fights that he had with the monsters were, at night whereas when uh, hayato mm-hmm. took over as common rider it kind of shifted to more daytime shots so just seeing it at night you know adds to kind of like the the kind of creep factor and fear factor of especially for a for a werewolf for what is essentially a werewolf yeah well and it, it, i thought it was funny because because colonel zoll loves naming loves naming his operations that's his thing right and this one is Operation Wolf. And I thought, hold on, that sounds familiar. And I looked it up. Oh, yeah, that was a, uh, that was a light gun arcade game back in the 80s. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because there are helicopters in this. So, <laughs> yes, yes, we will get to the helicopter section uh, to, to that part of the episode in just a sec. One part about the fight scene, though, at night outside of the orphanage area or whatever, the place where the the kids were staying, uh, there's a moment where Kamen Rider is fighting off the goons. Or no, no, Taki. Taki is fighting off the goons with uh, and, and is bringing Goro. And he's going to get on his motorcycle. And in the background, you see the wolfman just slowly creeping upstairs right behind him like wolfman you have rocket launchers in your in your hands like why are you just standing there staring at them getting away <laughs> <laughs> like like he's just staring at them as he slowly creeps up the steps maybe he ran out of ammo <laughs> he shoots off a fire a, a rocket just like a few minutes later at common rider so it's he just oh he, never mind <laughs> it is, it's just this really funny moment it's it's one of those moments where you're not supposed to pay attention to the background you're only supposed to be paying attention to what's in the foreground but if you look in the background you kind of see like the sausage being made almost where it's like yeah what are the extras doing while the the main actors are playing in the foreground like he he his his scene had not was not uh up yet so he was just standing in the background just waiting for his scene to come up but it's such a funny moment in universe because it's just like he's just standing there what's he doing (laughs) yeah well and then (laughs) what was nuts is that there's a scene later on in the episode where we have another colonel and I thought it was Zol, uh, but then I looked and I was like, "Wait a minute, that's not Zol. Just a guy with a similar uniform." 
which I really had to remind myself of that because I, that helicopter got blown up. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so we get this helicopter and, and I don't want to talk about it too much. The helicopter stunt because I have that in my awards. So, but yeah, there's this, the Taki and Hayato go to uh rendezvous with the, the, uh, this helicopter that is bringing a higher up shocker official dressed in the the uniform just like colonel zoll like you said and they he's carrying a briefcase and they have to get that briefcase so they go and they fight and there's this big huge stunt which like i said i'll talk about in my awards and they get the briefcase so what's in the briefcase is it the plans to operation wolf is it a bomb like what's been in the briefcases before is it you know something really you know fantastic like that no it's a costume and an invitation to a costume party. Okay, that is in my awards. We'll talk <laughs> about that when we get there. Because WTH. But then there was something else that happened at the end of this episode that almost dethroned that for the award. Because I was not prepared for this. I should have saw it coming. But I was not prepared for this. Yeah. So they go to they go to the part. Well, it cuts to the party. We know that that Hayato and and Taki are going to infiltrate this party because that's what they always do, which is totally not a Ku Klux Klan meeting because it's totally not listeners. That is not what it is. No matter how much no, it looks like it's it. A, it. No, it's. <laughs> No, 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 no. It's it's a Cetopian meeting, okay? It's a Cetopian meeting. Okay. Um moving on. <laughs> they they do they bust up the party and they start fighting. So so uh Common Rider and Colonel Zoll come out of the shocker base. They're in this, you know, big a quarry they're in quarry. a quarry <laughs> <laughs> and then colonel zoll and i think this is in my my awards but i will go ahead and talk about it because it is a huge moment in the episode we have to talk about it colonel zoll reveals that he says uh says just like you can transform i can transform also yeah and to which to which Hayato says, like, what? You're a cyborg like me? <laughs> he says, only a wolf could pull off Operation Wolf. And he transforms <laughs> into a wolf man. <laughs> like I said, I should have saw it coming, but I was unprepared for this. I was just like, oh my gosh. So we kind of get multiple kaijin in this and they're all wolf men. Because the wolf men we see at the beginning of the episode are not the ones the common rider fights at the end. Because he fights Werewolf Zol at the end of this. And Werewolf Zol, first off, made me think of Godzilla versus the legendary Wolfman, which is that fan film that may or may not ever come out or get finished or whatever. That's mm -hmm. like borderline urban legend in the Godzilla fandom at this point. But it is the coolest looking kaijin that this show has had in a long time. And it is a knockdown drag out fight. Like they are not. Oh, as uh, it should be. As it should yeah. be. This is a final boss fight right here. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's a final boss fight and it looks like it. Like, of course, it's stunt. So you still can tell like none of the punches are landing, none of the kicks are landing and they're just tossing each other around. But they do a good job of making it look like the common Rider is struggling with this guy. Like he is not a pushover. Yeah. And oh my God, it, like it's like you said, knockdown drag out. And it has an amazing finish, which I'm going to skip ahead just to double check is that yes that is in my award so we'll talk about the end of this uh, the end of this fight because my goodness this is uh, this is going to go in my top five something by the time we're finished with this show <laughs> this one was this was good man this felt like a season finale it really yeah. did <laughs> yeah because after this uh zol be dead <laughs> <laughs> Zol is gone. Zol is no more. There is no Zol anymore. <laughs> and we'll never know if he really has an eye or not. But <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we do know. We do know. Because he, yeah. <laughs> A, in his first episode, he was the master of disguise and disguised himself as a two-eyed person multiple times but also <laughs> in this episode zol disguises himself as a like police officer or security guard that is uh, and runs across like uh taki and hayato as they're investigating and it's just the actor who plays zol without the makeup and the mustache it that is it is the <laughs> same actor <laughs> he clearly wears that eye patch just for the cool factor <laughs> it really is or or like uh i think there there's at least one comic book uh where um nick fury one of the nick furies i don't even remember which one i think probably the the son nick fury uh, nick fury jr who's the one that looks like samuel l jackson who wears his eye patch because it has like a laser in it he actually doesn't need it but it has like a laser in it or whatever so he always keeps <laughs> it on him just as like a way of escaping so i'm i picture like that's zol zol has something in his eye patch that he wears he keeps on him at all times it has the, he doesn't actually need the eye patch <laughs> Uh, either that or it's intimidation but the actual end of the episode is actually pretty sweet which is yes common rider goes back to the school where he was as Hayato at the beginning of the episode and he comes and he visits the kids on Christmas and they have a great time and we also find out that apparently just like an Ultraman Santa is real yeah <laughs> but, but did you notice that one of the toys that he gave to one of the kids was a common Rider action figure <laughs> I think I did it's the merch we have in the universe merch <laughs> it was so great i was just like he just passes it to one of the kids and it's like not even like focused on but i just saw it as he was passing it and it's like it's a common writer toy but it but it's painted silver instead of green so he it actually looks more like common writer super x which is a, a future common <laughs> writer who is all silver <laughs> If I was all conspiracy theory about it, I could say predictive programming. Oh, it's like that toy came back in time. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Time loop, man. I, it's it's funny how we talk, how we all joke and at times complain about the toyeticness of modern tokusatsu shows, but they put the toy in the show. Yes. Is there any reason why there should be 
Universe merch. It's in there. There it is. It's sitting right there. Yep. Yep. It's just another in a long line of merch that we've seen in this show. We've seen them wearing masks. We've seen them wearing like shirts. We've seen them sing the theme song to the show in the show. <laughs> Which happens in Ultraman as well. So. Right. Oh, man. Yeah. I And I just want to finish off this, this whole discussion about this episode with seeing Goro wearing a white mask with white eyebrows or not white mask, but white beard, like a, like a, a little Santa Claus beard that he had on, but just was the cutest thing in the world. <laughs> I loved it. It was so adorable. Anyway, this is a very solid episode. I, I have to say it's one of my favorites so far. Actually it it's high. It It's pretty close to being one of my favorite episodes. So Anyway, so yeah, on to the award. So first off, we have Henshin Kick for the best stunt or fight scene. So I already hinted at it just a moment ago, so I'll just bring it up now. Flying Rider Punch to kill Zol. That was epic. <laughs> yes. And there was explosions, and it was just like just this most epic. He falls moment. off a cliff. Yeah, so it's like this running, flying right up. Ah, she hits him and he flies off the cliff and blows up. It's like that, that, that's how you finish off one of the big bosses. That's how you do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and he really, it, it was well deserved too, because Zol has been the most like iconic, not iconic, but like just recognizable villain that we've had so far on the show. We're getting another one coming up, which we'll talk about in a future. Yeah. Episode, I, but... uh, <laughs> yeah. When we finish the awards, I'll bring that up. So <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but yeah, Colonel Zoll deserved, deserved like the, the biggest fanfare, the biggest send off. And I think they did a really good job with it. Mm -hmm. um, my uh, award for Hinshin kick is the, helicopter scene because i mean it's got to be they they had an actual small single person well two person helicopter flying in and hayato runs over to the helicopter grabs a hold to it as it's lifting off in the air and hangs on to it that was a real stunt that was not on stage that was not cg that was not on wires he literally grabbed hold to a helicopter that was lifting up off the ground mm -hmm. like yeah. that, that uh, again the fact that they were so willing to put themselves at risk you know doing these stunts because at this time they just a safety standards were a lot different in the 70s and b uh they didn't have really much other options because there wasn't you know other kind of effects that they could do to replace this and especially not on a shoestring budget yeah that's for sure <laughs> i also was thinking uh, sat there thinking <laughs> all they have to do is just throw in the mash music and and it's all complete at this point okay yeah there you go there you go and now for talking toku the best special effect we talked about it a little bit already, but I'm quite partial to the lightning strike sequence on Kamen Rider 
in the Ray King episode because it's got the animated lightning this and it's a different set and it's all black and it was the cinematography in it was great uh, it reminded me a tiny bit of, of the murder montage <laughs> i keep going back to that because it's yeah i mean <laughs> from way back during the hongo yeah episodes. well and it's in the reason why like at the time that we when the murder montage was happening we kind of like uh compared it to david lynch and kind of like his style because because it yes. seems almost kind of dreamlike how everything else in the world fades away into darkness, but it's just the the main character that's in the scene that's in focus. And and it kind of does the same thing here with, with Ray King. Like everything else kind of blackens out and you just have Ray King in focus being lit up by, you know, light and then shooting. You know, then you have, like you said, the animated lightning that's, you know, drawn, you know, by hand onto the, the celluloid film and, and everything to create this kind of yes. effect of lightning shooting out from his body. And it, yeah, it is really cool. It is really cool for, uh, you know, for, uh, for the time it's, it is a dated effect nowadays, but, but it is neat how they did it. Um, my uh, my uh, talking Toku award goes to just Colonel Wolfzoll. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was in contention for me too because just it looks so dang cool. I want a toy of that. He like we, and you said it when we were talking about that we had seen other Wolfmen in this episode, but they did a really good job of not just carbon copying and making the uh, like Colonel Zoll's Wolfman suit to look exactly like the other ones. He looks distinct. He looks different. And that's good for the big boss to look distinct from the underlings. And, and so the, the fur looks really good. The, the big mouth and the teeth and the snarling look that he has just looks fantastic. There's mm -hmm. a lot of um, muscle definition in the suit and it's just, yeah, it's really excellent. Well-made suit. Yes. For sure. And now for coming at you for the best line. And I'm guessing, judging by these notes, we have the same one. Actually, no, no. I just I just didn't write mine down. Um, oh, I have really? it written down in my regular notes. Oh, OK. Well, OK. Well, mine comes from Tachibana when he was <laughs> giving Hayato the the business pep talk dressing down i'm not sure but uh he said a man focused only on saving himself can't risk his life to fight that is the moral of the story in the ray king episode yep yep that was a really good line yeah mine uh <laughs> mine was more fun uh so there's a scene in the ray king episode where uh taki is kind of uh, flirting with the writer girls the writer girls are like oh you know uh mr hayato it's like he can definitely defeat the the bad guys he can definitely defeat them but just be careful we don't want you to hurt yourself you know type thing like just really kind of flirt being flirtatious and then taki's like well don't worry you know i'll i'll be there to help him and mari gives this line where she's like uh she says you don't think you'll just slow him down <laughs> just shooting <laughs> talking down so hard mari did such a good job <laughs> delivering that line i was like i was like yeah uh, get it girl 
<laughs> yeah, and now she's gone. This is her last episode. Yeah, I know, and that's that's another reason why I wanted that line to be my, you know, my talking token yeah. or, or um, not talking token, but uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that this award coming at coming, you, coming at you. Yeah, um, I'm forgetting what our awards are. <laughs> Oh, oh. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, I wanted to kind of give that award to Mari because Mari, like we've we've talked about in in our previous episodes, that Mari, like the writer girls, weren't always the best, but they have definitely grown and changed over time, and I yeah. I really grew to like Mari more, even more than Yuri. I always found Yuri a little bit less interesting than mari and maybe it was a little bit of that like we learned more about her the actress's real life uh you know situation where she's Mm -hmm. she's a model she went on to model and act and other things and she just seems like the the one who became more successful out of the the writer girls and uh and so maybe it's a little bit of that but i always just i always liked mari a little bit more and and it makes me kind of sad that she's not in the future episodes yeah, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think I'm gonna miss her. Yeah, yeah, I am. I'm really gonna miss her. And now on to WTH. What the henshin? Okay, okay. You didn't hear this because it got edited out of the episode. But the title of episode 39 is—I I, I don't know if it's unintentionally funny or intentionally funny. But it's literally called Colonel, like basically Colonel's, uh, what was it? The Wolfman's Murder Party. <laughs> yep. it, it was a struggle for me to say that title with a straight face. So apparently Colonel Zoll loves to party and we're sending out invitations again. Yep. <laughs> and it's for a costume party to kick off Operation Wolf. Who does this? <laughs> <laughs> and then we have the red KKK outfit, which apparently is, I put, I call the magic disguise sheets because they just pull it up like, ha I am talking. It is totally not the whole thing. a clan meeting. <laughs> yeah. It is not it's a clan meeting. The whole thing. Yeah. I just like the whole thing. The whole thing. The murder party, the kickoff for Operation Wolfie sends out invitations. I just, what is this? It is something. Who does this? Jocker, this is why you don't rule the world, okay? (laughs) It just keeps escalating. It keeps escalating. They there's there's the invitation to the party. They have the disguises. They break into the party, and there's other people with the disguises. It's revealed that it was all a setup to try to lure Common Rider in. You find out Common Rider outsmarted Zol. Zol transforms into his Wolfman persona. And it is just like, it just keeps building and building and building. And it's just like this fantastic, fantastic, just sequence of events in this episode. It's like, it's just this one right after another. It's like, it's like, we're throwing a party. I will sneak in. We knew you would sneak in. I knew that you knew I would sneak in. Well then guess what? I'm a Wolfman. Oh snap. I was just like constant back. (laughs) I was just like, 
who's going to get the last laugh on this? Well, it's common writer with a flying writer punch. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's, it is fantastic. <laughs> it is such a fun <laughs> WTH. I mean, and, and what's funny is see in, in a, I guess because it's a cultural thing, it's kind of like, okay, I, I, this may sound weird and I may cut this out of the podcast, but in India for a while, they were using uh, in certain certain stores and in certain parts of India, they were using Hitler as a mascot to sell uh, like food items and clothing and things like that. Like Hitler became a mascot. Uh, I think it was even a cafe. There was a Hitler cafe in India. And oh, the reason <laughs> the, the reason for it has always been stated, you know, and, and kind of the explanation behind it is, well, India didn't suffer through Hitler's regime the way that Europe did. You know, the, the, the India wasn't affected the way that Europe was. So there's not a lot of baggage that comes with the, the Hitler imagery. They know he's a bad guy, but they think of him more of like, Oh, he's the grumpy man who did that you know thing for a little bit. Uh, instead of like being one of the worst grumpy man, horrible human beings ever in the history of, of anything. Um, <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I, Hitler, Hitler didn't get enough sleep one night and then decided to murder half of Europe. So, okay. Right. So, so I, I have a feeling that Japan has the same kind of cultural, cultural break from, uh, the, the KKK because throughout the sixties, the seventies, all the way up into like the nineties, uh, in multiple, it's not just this show in multiple tokusatsu shows. There are characters who show up in white pointy hoods and operate very similar to the KKK. And I think a, a thing is that, you know, yeah. Japan's like, Oh, well we know these are bad guys, but we don't have like the cultural baggage that comes with it. Like we do here in the States. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, we joked about it earlier, but there, there's some costuming on some extras during the Cetopia scenes in Godzilla versus Megalon mm-hmm. that are similar to Clan Mass. I think I haven't gotten there quite yet, but I think there's a bit character in Zhu Ranger that looks a little bit KKK ish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and uh, there's so, there's... and that was ni- that was the. Yeah, and that was the early '90s. So yeah, that's what I was saying. It continued on, and and a in a big part of it is there is just this cultural break. Like you know, to them, they they like the people who are writing these and creating these characters and stuff. There's a there's an understanding that the that the KKK are bad people, but they don't have the cultural baggage that that baggage that comes with the imagery of it and so they don't mind using them as oh they're the bad guys we can you know we'll use their imagery as like oh see bad guys you know who bad guys for a kids show whereas in the u.s we'd be like whoa what are you doing you know that's that's who that's full-on uh and yeah and that's and and (laughs) so it it reminds me a lot of that scenario like i said i don't know if i'm gonna leave it in but but the scenario with with india yeah well there's also I think you, there is a modern media a example that you could potentially give, which is the, you know, the first Captain America movie 
from 2011 that took place in World War II, the first Avenger. And in that one, they made the Red Skull, even though they talk about Nazis, the, the Red Skull is part of Hydra, which I think they did so that they didn't have to put the the swastika on on the skull's uniform and then they could make the action figures and not have to worry about parents. right even if he was the bad guy buying an action figure that had a swastika on right it. it's had oh it's got the uh you know it's got the uh weirdo octopus thing oh okay that's yeah funny. yeah and and, and, re- <laughs> and like logistically not just like from a common sense point of view of again the swastika is one of those you know symbols where it's like yeah there's a lot of cultural baggage behind that that symbol that you don't that other places that weren't necessarily affected the way that europeans and 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 you know jewish people both in europe and and in the united states were affected uh that those people in those countries that weren't affected like that don't have that cultural baggage so to them it's just oh it's just a bad guy symbol it's no different than using a skull or something it's like no no it's very different um and yeah, uh, it, we even have laws. We have laws in the United States, and there's definitely laws in Europe um, about selling uh, merchandise, selling any kind of thing that has a swastika on it, even if it's meant to be like a negative thing. Like, you know, this is the anti that it's still having that symbol on anything is illegal to sell, you know, and, and stuff. And so, yeah, it was definitely a smart business decision besides culturally and and just sensitivity wise it also makes a biz good business decision to not include that on uh characters that you're going to sell toys of and and other things and and have on posters and stuff that you're selling um yeah so but but all all of this to say that is where i think that is why i think so we have so many shows and we'll laugh like me and you can laugh at it and and we'll laugh at the ridiculousness of it and there's and i don't think there's anything wrong with laughing at the ridiculousness of it some people might feel that it's wrong i'm very sorry if you are someone who feels that it's wrong that we're laughing at the ridiculousness of it but me personally and, and and I I don't mean to speak for you, but I think I, you also agree that uh, that for us it it isn't we don't we don't even have as much cultural baggage as other people even no. here in the United States for this no. kind of imagery. But so to us, it is just the funniness of you know someone doing something like that knowing that in our you know in in this country you could never get away with doing that on a kid's show so it's just that's why it's so funny and it's so absurd yeah well part of it for me is the the idea that evil cannot stand to be mocked so obviously in this it's a bunch of the bad guys and they're dressing this way it's not positive at all and then you and i are laughing at we're laughing at the absurdity of it right but i think part of what makes it absurd is that we understand the cultural baggage with it so we're we're laughing so again we're laughing at the evil that's going on here not in a uh, in a hard-hearted sort of a way it's more of a you know look how absurd this is and like right. i said evil cannot stand to be mocked Right. It's not it's not to diminish the the terribleness of the stuff that inspired this, but 
just laughing mm-hmm. at this particular, you know, th- absurd the absurdity of this in the context of being in a kid's show. Um, and, and I like how you mm-hmm. wrote, you know, mm-hmm. evil does not like to be mocked because that was kind of the mindset of one of my favorite uh, comedian writers and, and, you know, filmmakers, Mel Brooks. Uh, you know, he had been asked uh, in an interview once about why, why did you include Hitler in one of your films? Uh, you know, is, as a Jewish man, wouldn't that be very difficult to include in there? And he says, no, he says it's it actually it's good to make fun of them because then you're taking the power away. And then and there are people who disagree with that that you shouldn't make light of it that, that to them mm-hmm. it's making light of it but i am of the mindset just like mel brooks where it's not taking it's not making it light it's taking the power away now he's no longer a boogeyman that that yeah. you know to be feared it's more of now he's a joke and and he can be remembered as a joke and we can take that uh, away from him uh and and so you know so yeah. for me i don't mind laughing at the absurdness of of stuff like this but i think that it was something i wanted to mention because as we not just in this show but move on to other tokusatsu shows in the future uh we're, this isn't going to be the last time we see kkk style imagery no. uh in the bad guys in these tokusatsu shows and that is really weird to say but it's just one of those things that in japan they just don't have that cultural touchstone of they know it's a bad like it it, it equals bad it equals evil but they don't have the baggage that comes with it yeah that's for sure and now travis it's time for minute to henshin it So this is the part of the show where we give our final thoughts on whatever episodes that we've covered in one minute or less. Since you weren't here last week, Travis, I'll let you have first dibs on this. Okay. All right. On your mark, get set. Is the second? Go. Uh, yeah, these two episodes, especially the the second one that we covered, are really insane. They really just highlight how just fascinatingly absurd the show can be, which is one of the reasons why I love it. The campiness, the silliness, the, the ridiculousness of it, how things just continue to escalate and get even campier and campier. And... For a character like Colonel Zoll, who has been such a memorable character throughout the episodes that he's been in, to have such a great send off, I'm just, I can't, I couldn't have asked for more. Hot dang, you did that in less than 40 seconds. Dang it, man, you are good at this. (laughs) (laughs) I might have to start doing it where it's one minute for both of us. We just have a one minute conversation about our final thoughts. May have to start doing that. (laughs) (laughs) all right and now it's my turn on my mark get set go yeah this like i said especially the christmas werewolf episode which just sounds so weird to say (laughs) the christmas werewolf episode that's gonna go down as probably unless unless a lot of nutty things start happening for the next what do we have 48 episodes, 58 episodes, 58 episodes, man. (laughs) Unless a lot of crazy things happen. I think this is going to go in my top five favorite episodes. And it's, it was really nice to have this 
big, just ridiculous finale after a, a solid but by the numbers episode with Ray King. So, you know, and like I said, final boss fight, Colonel Soul went out with a bang, literally. Camera. Wrong button. You can keep that in. I don't care. <laughs> so, yeah, very much appreciated it this time. There you go. I always take the full minute because that's what uh, that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- this really is like a like we said a season finale because even though this isn't the end of a season, this ends like this period of of a uh, common writer, and we're moving into the next phase. Oh, I have to mention this before we get to the credits because I always watch the episode previews. When I'm watching these on Tubi, and oh boy, I saw the preview for the next one. I'm like, it's Doctor Who. He's <laughs> in the next episode, and our boy's coming back. Yeah, yeah. I am so looking forward to talking about those episodes because, my goodness. Okay, we'll we'll talk about them in our next episode. Yeah. <laughs> well, we want to say. Thank you for listening to the Henshin Men, a Tokusatsu appreciation podcast. You can find links to all of our social media in the description of this episode. You can listen to me, to more of me on the Kaiju Weekly podcast and listen to more of Nathan on the Monster Island Film Vault. If you found some enjoyment from this podcast, consider giving us a five-star rating on iTunes and on Spotify, apparently, now. And until next time, what are we going to say, Nathan? Listen to the power trip. It's coming soon. And it goes without saying that Colonel Zoll was a henshin head. (laughs) 